0: Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, honored to be with you tonight. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen and we bring you the perspectives that so often the mainstream media ignore or just censor, which is why today and tonight we are so happy to have on Steve Cortez, Trump 2020 campaign senior advisor for strategy. Uh, From the start, Steve, you've been on top of the numbers about COVID, about the election, about holding the mainstream media to account. I'm really glad to have you back on. And I'd love to start, Steve. You've got a new op-ed out in the National Pulse this week titled, The Future of America First in the Face of Electoral Larceny. Please, if you would, talk with our viewers through uh, what they can find there.
2: Sure. I'm trying to, to lay the roadmap out for the, the path forward for the MAGA movement and for our country, both in the coming days as well as beyond that, into weeks and months and even years ahead. And I think the first thing, I, I lay out three specific steps. Mm. But before I get quickly to those steps, you know, I want to also say, I lay out in the editorial that we need uh, to have the correct mental approach. We need to have yeah. the correct mindset right now because there's understandably a lot of anxiety out. And believe me, I get that. And what's going on in our country is very, very disappointing to say the least. But I also believe that those of us who are involved in this America First movement and the populist nationalist cause We cannot succumb to pessimism. We cannot devolve uh, into a a state of lamentation. Instead, we have to assess the situation. We have to act as you would have acted in in actual war. This is political war now, Eric. Um, We have to assess the situation. Where do we stand and where can we now go best from here? And I lay out three actions that I think are really important. Number one, and, and this is as of right now, right this minute, this isn't long term, is to fight. Uh, we yeah. have to continue to fight. We know that we won the legal vote. We have to continue to fight so that this president will prevail and will be sworn in on January 20th. What do I mean specifically? I mean fight in actual court. We need to continue to litigate and demand our rights and demand real transparency in these contested states. But we also need to fight in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where folks like you and I, or at least for me, I'm not a, a lawyer, that's where I effectively litigate. We need to continue to put pressure on particularly state legislators because yeah. the fact that they voted on December 14th. That date is not in the Constitution. It is not set in stone. The only date in the Constitution that matters is high noon on January 20th. So uh, look, I'm not going to try to to sugarcoat it for anybody. Uh, It is an uphill battle from here, but it is a winnable battle. So I I think that's number one is we have to continue Mm. to fight. Then number two, and I really urge the president to do this, is a special counsel. I think we need a special counsel named immediately by the president to investigate the laptop from hell the entire Hunter Biden saga. I almost don't like to call it, I I know by shorthand we just call it Hunter Biden, Eric, but I think it's really much broader than that because Hunter, in my view, was really the bag man for the Biden cartel. The head of the cartel is not Hunter. It's the big guy. It's Joe Biden himself. We face the very real possibility in just a few weeks of having for the first time in our history a commander-in-chief who is compromised by the most dangerous enemy of the United States, the Chinese Communist Party. So I think our current commander-in-chief has a responsibility to name a special counsel. And by the way, I think this is necessary whether President Trump prevails or not on January 20th. This makes sense in either scenario. Uh, And then I think the third thing is is candidates. One of the great, uh, there's great news about this election, not on the presidential level, of course, because of all the chicanery, but there was great news. President Trump had enormous coattails uh, of the 27 contested house races, according to Cook Political Report. The Republicans swept all 27 of them. It was just amazing. Uh, The president had coattails from the state house races and legislatures all the way to the United States Senate. There's a lot to build on here, but what we've also seen, unfortunately, is a lot of Republicans really acting like squishes in these recent weeks, and I'll name names. I'm talking about people like Governor Kemp uh, in Georgia. We need to make certain that candidates are recruited starting now for races in 2022, uh, as well as 24, who are America first Republicans, who are not establishment Republicans, who would not take us to a place of retreat, retreat. Those candidates, I think, need to be recruited trained and financed and ready to broaden this this trump america first movement again i think that is the case whether the president prevails or not because here's the thing eric i think the president he will have a second term is it going to be consecutive as it should be or will it be in 2024 when he's reelected obviously i'm hoping and working and praying that it's in just a few weeks but in either case there will be a trump second term, and we need to take actions to make this movement uh, become a dominant political force for decades.
0: Yeah, Steve, I really, I I think one of the, so much there to, to dive into, one of the first points that you made, I think is so important, is about mental strength, right? That if you want to be successful in any endeavor, whether it is SEAL team training, whether it's veterans coming back home and reintegrating into society, building a business, starting a movement, like we have to make sure that we've got that mental strength and that we also build a community of people who stay who stay strong as we go forward. Get, diving a little more specifically into the, the specifics about Hunter Biden, I think you make a really important point. People are focused on Hunter Biden, but as Hunter Biden himself said, you know, most of the things that have come his way weren't because of who he was as Hunter Biden. He admitted himself that he didn't know anything about uh, Ukraine. He didn't know anything about the gas industry. The reason why he was appointed to this board was because his father was the vice president of the United States. And it certainly seems that the the mainstream media, everyone recognized they did their best to ignore this story. Now they can't ignore it any longer. Uh, there's also a new poll out showing that a majority of likely voters, 52%, think that many news organizations ignored the Hunter Biden story. Steve, you've been uh, an analyst of this for for a long time. What do you make of the fact that people are now recognizing that the mainstream media and big tech actively work to suppress this story?
2: Right, Eric. This is real collusion, right? So, yeah. in other words. The, the corporate media, the fake news media, obsessed over supposed collusion, which was a fantasy, the idea right. that, the, that the Russians conspired with the Trump campaign, which we know was never true, as verified by even the Mueller team, which was a, a team that was looking, believe me, if there was ever a team that was biased against President Trump, it was the Mueller team. Even they had to conclude there was no such collusion. But now we have r- very real collusion. And, you know, who was involved? I think there's really three powerful groups of people. It was corporate media, most obviously, and then also big tech actively censoring and suppressing the story. But I also want to point to the intelligence community of the United States because we had three former CIA chiefs, including John Brennan, uh, the most reprehensible of all, who signed an open letter to the American public telling us that this laptop, that this information was a Russian disinformation campaign. Uh, That was a ludicrous assertion without any basis in fact at all. We now know firmly that it was a complete lie. They did it to mislead the people. This is real election interference. It's real collusion by powerful interests. And they're not from Russia. They're from Washington, D.C. and New York, excuse me, and from Silicon Valley, uh, right in our faces. The corporate media is suddenly now willing to at least tepidly talk about this story they still don't want to dive into it but again it's hard for me to overstate eric how important this is to our national security putting aside my partisan predilections for a moment just as an american citizen the chinese communist party is the most dangerous threat the united states faces in the entire world to our national security our economic well-being to our very health that that group of people that nefarious regime that thug regime in beijing they have co-opted the entire Biden cartel, and I think that's the proper term for them. And we have substantial evidence, including eyewitness firsthand testimony from Tony Bobolinsky, that the yeah. quote big guy is indeed Joe Biden, a potential president of the United States. It's hard to overstate the consequences of this, which is why I hope and I believe the president is going to appoint a special counsel, particularly in case. Joe Biden is able to complete the steal, and he's sworn in on January 20th.
0: Yeah, and I want I want to touch on again for our viewers just a reminder because there was so much that was happening coming up to up to the election. You had organizations like JustTheNews.com who were coming out and they were reporting on this relationship. Indeed, they'd been reporting on it for a while, this relationship between Hunter Biden and former Vice President Biden. They were reporting on the contents of the laptop. And then as you alluded to, Steve, you had 50 former intelligence officials come out and say something which was absolutely false and with no evidence. They said that all of that was part of a Russian disinformation campaign. And in fact, there was no evidence for that at all. And as we now know, uh, Hunter Biden is under active federal criminal investigation, he said, for his taxes. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Talk, Steve, in, in just a couple minutes that we have left about why a special counsel in particular is so important in a case like this.
2: Well, look, even if the president is sworn in, as he should rightfully be, I think we've seen uh, with with Attorney General Barr, We've seen that even his own DOJ has been unable to achieve justice on some key topics for example the, mis, uh, the the crimes at least uh, or excuse me the, the, the poor ethics at least perhaps crimes at worst of the Obama DOJ and spying on the Trump campaign even his own Justice department was unable so has been unable so far to secure indictments so we know that there's really institutional rot at the DOJ and because of that we can't count on the DOJ even under his leadership to appropriately pursue the Biden cartel that's why I believe we need a special prosecutor and of course all the more so if God forbid, Joe Biden is sworn in as president of the United States on January 20th. We cannot allow him to squash an investigation into his own family, into himself. So I really believe a special counsel is called for here. I think the president is, is considering it right now and will soon institute one to protect the, pres- the, 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 the people of the United States from a potential president was compromised. We've never faced anything like this in our history. Uh, it's terrible that it's even a prospect. But nonetheless, we have to face the reality of what is in front of us. And it's a very real and perhaps dire
0: threat. You bet. Steve, just 10, 10 seconds left. Uh, remind our viewers where they can follow you, please.
2: You bet. Please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cortez Steve, Cortez with an S, at Parler. My name's in the correct order, Steve Cortez. I have a brand new chalk talk up about this exact topic of the Biden-China scandal.
0: Awesome, folks. That's Steve Cortez, Trump 2020 Senior Campaign Advisor. You've seen him on this show before, and you can follow him on Twitter and Parler. We're going to be back in just a minute right here on Actionable Intelligence with some fantastic folks to talk about what's happening this week in the election. Talk to you. We'll be back in just a minute.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
3: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
0: Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Graytons. This is the show that respects your intelligence, we honor you as a citizen, and we work every day to bring you guests who often bring you perspective and insights that the mainstream media doesn't have, which is why, of course, right now we're bringing in my buddy, Brandon Webb, who is a Navy SEAL, he is a SEAL sniper, he's also the founder of softrep.com. Brandon, good to see you again, man.
4: Yeah, great to be back, Eric. Good.
0: Now, just to just to let everybody know, we're obviously both both Navy, but we're letting the world know there's no hard feelings after the Army Navy game. You went so far as to actually have on your website your lead story today is actually about a really cool Army captain. Please tell our tell our viewers about it.
4: Yeah, I mean, in in two thousand fourteen, uh, Captain Kerry Duvall lost his hand uh, in an IED, and. You know, his his father was also uh, hundred in the hundred and first Airborne. But th- this is, you know, occasionally you run into a um, an inspirational story like this where somebody, you know, the, he could have easily probably taken a medical retirement, and s- instead he leaned in and uh, came back uh, with a prosthetic hand, completed yeah. Ranger school, and and is the first now to complete the Army Special Forces selection training. With, with a artificial limb. So it's it's not only is, is that very um, inspirational from kind of a human factor side, but in incredible what the technology um, is doing today to kind of make these men and women uh, that served on the front lines and some have, you know, some pretty terrible injuries, but improving their, their lives. So. Uh, it's great to see just really inspiring.
0: Yeah I mean it's an incredible story of resilience as you said he had a lot of choices it's an incredibly patriotic choice he lost his hand he came back in he stayed in the army and you know you and I obviously Navy SEALs we obviously you know have to recognize the Difficulty of BUDS and Navy Special Warfare training, but, you know, all, all joking aside, like, the Army Special Forces training is seriously hard training. I mean, give our viewers just a sense for, like, how difficult this training is for anyone, and now you've got a captain who's completing it uh, with a, a prosthetic hand.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, um, without getting into the Army-Navy, right, I, I think right. the SEALs are, are probably the toughest uh, selection course, but... You know, Ranger selection, Army Special Forces selection is no joke. They still have incredibly high attrition rate. I, I think close to, to ours, um, which is 90%. Um, you know, it's it's physical, but it, but again, you and I both know, having gone through through the selection ourselves, it, it's all mental. Like the majority yeah. of it is, it's a mental uh, attitude. It's a decision you make, which which Duval made a long time ago, is like I'm gonna. I'm going to be a solution mindset, not, you know, a, a problem mindset. Which, and, I, and I think that especially now in, in a global pandemic, you know, we're, we're seeing that come out very clear in people. So I, I was talking to my daughter the other day. I was like, you have a choice. You can focus on your problems or the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I think what's such amazing about Duval and, and being able to complete this incredibly tough course with, with uh, a prosthetic
0: for sure. And Brandon, I want to I want to switch gears in in just a minute to to another article you've got out about the the pandemic weapons guide. But before we leave like this story of courage and resilience, uh, you've also written a lot about mental strength. You've written a lot about what it takes to build Courage, if you could, you know, at this time, which is a difficult time for many families, especially when so many of them are going to be separated from the families who they might normally be with during the holidays. Uh, what's your message to your fellow Americans about courage, about resilience?
4: I, I think we, again, we have to focus on. On the good stuff, right? The fact that we do have friends and family that we love. Look, I'm spending the holidays with my oldest son, and we're both away from the majority of our family. Yeah, but yeah. you know, we're making the best of it, and and reflecting that, you know, we do have an incredible, a lot of incredible things in our lives, and so it's it's choosing again to focus on on the positive and and kind of life purpose uh, it is a, and it's as simple as that. It's once you make that decision. Um, to choose one way or another, and, and Victor Frankel you know, writes about this in *Man's Search for Meaning*. Um, it's that as soon as that decision is made, and you start thinking about you know the good stuff in your life, that, that's when it's a real paradigm shift.
0: There's tremendous power in gratitude, and as you said, instead of focusing on all of the problems and challenges around you, which are actually infinite. Right. You actually tap into your own strength and the strength of the people around you. And it helps you It helps you to make it through a lot of that a lot of that hardship. Well, so what are the other articles I love that you've got up at uh, at softrep.com? com is that you've also got you kind of put on your Navy SEAL sniper hat for this one. Uh, you've got your pandemic weapons and holiday uh, guide. Tell, tell our viewers a little bit about what's uh, what's inside that article.
4: You know, I've been getting hounded for years by by friends and family yeah. you know and finally I, I i got flooded right when the riots are happening in major yeah. cities and everything that was going on in america people were reaching out like what do i what kind of pack do i buy what do i what kind of gun do i buy so i, I just decided to put out a very simple um kind of pandemic preparation guide um, that's like the best you know, what, what I personally would choose in a situation and, and what I do have, um, the best handgun, the best, uh, bolt action or semi-automatic rifle shotgun, uh, pack and what to kind of like put in your go bag as far as medical kit, basic, you know, water, water and food. Yeah. Um, so I get specific and, and I think, you know, I kind of poke fun at, the traditional gun industry, which, you know, you and I both know from being in the field, um, less is more sometimes. And I, I go to these gun ranges and I see this like gun that has 20 pieces of crap hanging off of it. I'm like, what the hell is that? Um, and so I just kind of like really focus on this is exactly what you need. Um, and hopefully people find it useful. Yeah. And
0: I think I think it's also worth saying, um, you know, one thing I I think you and I have actually talked about this before is that people will get out and they'll, they'll debate different weapons. Well, this gun versus that gun and like really like, you know, the weapon that works best is the one that you practice with. Um, and it's the amount of time that you spend actually using it, making sure that you can use it safely, that you can use it well to protect yourself and others if, if, if the time comes. But really, you want to spend that time rather than debating. You actually want to spend that time actually practicing and making sure that you can, you can protect yourself
4: and, and others if, if the time comes. Yeah, I, I would say also the biggest self-defense tip um, that I can give people – uh, if they had to buy one item that they can take with them anywhere, it's a high lumens surefire uh, flashlight mm-hmm. it, and you need it needs to be a thousand lumens. Phoenix makes a good model as well, but that is something you could take on an airplane. It will flash blind somebody in the daylight um, and, and it looks like an actual police light at night. It is one of the most effective self-defense tools that I can recommend and, and it. You know, it doesn't take much training, right, to use a flashlight. Right,
0: right. No, it's a very, it's a very good point, and it's something that, if people haven't uh, used a firearm before, they can feel very safe, very safe, safe carrying. All right, Brandon, one of the things I also appreciate about what you guys do at softrep.com is that there's so much focus right now on what's happening, and understandably, in the United States, right? People are focused on on the election. They're focused on, on legal battles. They're focused on the pandemic. They're focused on school closures, restaurant openings. You guys always do a really good job of keeping an eye on what our men and women overseas are doing right now. What are some of the most important things that you're covering at Soft Rep about what our men and women are doing overseas and that you want to share with our with our viewers right now?
4: Well, I, I think the the big issue that we were talking about last week on our editorial board meeting was that we still have men and women overseas in places a lot of people wouldn't be able to find on a Google Maps search. So right. just for one, remembering you know that we've we've also been in conflict for over twenty years now, right. and, and and there's this like troop fatigue happening. I'm seeing this fraying at the edges, uh, not only with the men and women who are deployed overseas in combat zones. It's how does this have effect on the families back home, and. The bigger issue is is leadership, not only in the Department of Defense, but in the political spectrum. Like we have we we as a country owe at least some basic health care, mental health um, care. Uh, we've got to take care of these folks because it's I'm starting to see the toll um, it's, it's having on not only the, the people who are serving, but the families. Uh, kind of left back home to pick up the pieces and so it's an important time like it's great we all love hearing thank you for a service but but we have to do more to kind of fix major problems with the department of veteran affairs which is which is uh is not in good shape um and, and really take care of the, this group of war fighters that have sacrificed you know greatly over the past 20 years um, you know, we, we owe it to them. So I'm, we're trying editorially to, to raise that issue um, and, and looking at some of these units that you and I have talked about that have had some cultural issues, uh, which all stems from leadership, right? Like I learned at Harvard Business School, um, you know, the, the culture and the signals you send start at the very top and kind of trickle down to the organization. So th- those are like the big things that we're, we're trying to, to shine a light on right now.
0: Awesome. Well, we certainly
4: appreciate it, and folks. Again, that's
0: Brandon Webb. Uh, he is a Navy SEAL. He's an author. Very quickly before we go, Brandon, ten seconds or less, uh, your holiday recommendation to anybody who's interested in a, in a special forces book, including, of course, your own. But uh, but throw throw in
4: throw in another as well. I'm going to plug. I wrote my first novel, which I'll I'll announce it here. We signed the deal a few days ago. We we. It's about a serial killer on a Navy aircraft carrier. It's kind of a hero's origin story that, that will carry on and, and follow our hero throughout the series called Steel Fear. All right, guys, uh, people- it's
0: Steel Fear from Brandon Webb. Check it out. We'll be right back.
4: Well, welcome back to Actionable
0: Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we like to bring you the perspectives that so often the mainstream media doesn't cover. Uh, right now, I want to turn to the host. You've seen him before on The Water Cooler, David Brody, to break down some of the biggest stories that are happening right now. David, thank you for joining us. Good to see you, Eric. David, there's a lot happening. Bill Barr has announced his resignation. Uh, the Trump campaign continues to fight in court. A new vaccine has come out. Hunter Biden, we now know, is is in fact under criminal investigation. There's some folks who are saying, hey, the mainstream media really did miss this story on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots, of, lots of it's happening. Uh, you've been around for a while. What do you think are the two or three most lasting stories right now that people should be paying attention to?
3: Well, it's a good question. i got to tell you, uh, with all due respect to all of the Hunter Biden coverage yes. and all of the stories in the conservative orbit, yeah. it just it just hasn't taken on uh, at all any oxygen in the mainstream media right. at all. Yeah. Uh? And, and to a degree, of course, I think that's on purpose. Yes. Uh, having said that, I don't think it becomes lasting uh, because, let's be honest, if we can just step back and say... Yeah. uh, What Mark Halpern, a political analyst, calls the Gang of 500, the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CBS, uh, you know, they kind of, I don't want to say, to a degree work in tandem, and they're just not picking up that story. And so, therefore, it's not going to have the legs that it would normally have, even if it's in the conservative orbit. Uh, I think the Bill Barr thing will kind of fade away as well. But I think the vaccine story, obviously, is here to stay. Uh, And the election fraud story uh, Mm. is here to stay in in the conservative orbit. Now, the mainstream media hasn't picked that up either. But the truth of the matter is uh, Donald Trump is very uh, hard uh, to avoid. He is, in essence, political eye candy. Uh, Let's be honest, uh, even for liberals who would want to trash him or, or, you know, never praise him, of yes. course. Uh, so so I think the election fraud story is something to continue to watch all the way through January 6th, clearly. Yes. I I believe that there will still be some shenanigans uh, that happen. Uh, some people wouldn't call them shenanigans. Some people call them real developments, <clears throat> constitutional developments. Sure, sure. But I think something's going to happen on January 6th. So we know Mo Brooks is going to yes. object. Uh, my guess is there probably will be a U.S. senator. could be a Rand Paul. could be a Mike Lee, maybe a Ted Cruz maybe Ron Johnson not quite sure at this point about Ron Johnson sure. uh, but but I think something will happen to where it might get a little messy on January 6th. We'll see.
0: Awesome. Well, David, you've been following a lot of these stories mm-hmm. at the water cooler. Uh, remind our viewers, please, where they can catch you, not just at the water cooler, but also.
3: Yeah. You you bet. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, every day, uh, we're the water cooler. We call it News with a Smile. Yes. Uh, we're on uh, Pluto and Dish uh, television and just all you know, Roku. You can just go down the line. You can see us online uh, as well at JustTheNews.com, also AmericasVoice.com. Uh, so, so we're everywhere. You never know what we're going to have on the show, as you know,
0: Eric. I mean, well, we, we could f- uh, We could have pigs. We could have live pigs. Uh, You never know. You never know what's going to happen, but it's news with a smile. It's a lot of fun, and you do. You have great guests. You've got on a lot of newsmakers. You've got on some great commentators, Mm -hmm. and I'm actually going to play for our audience. I really enjoyed uh, a piece of the interview that you did with Eric Metaxas Mm -hmm. the other day. So, folks, I want you to enjoy this. This is uh, David Brody. When he was sitting down with Eric Metaxas, they were talking through some of the big issues of the day, not only including Hunter Biden, the Bill Barr resignation, what's happening in the election and what's happening in the courts. But as you'll see, it is news with a smile, a lot of fun, but also some real insight. Go ahead and take a listen right here.
3: Uh, Eric Metaxas uh, with the Eric Metaxas uh, radio show uh, all, all across the country joining us now on the water cooler. Eric, always great to see you, sir.
1: Always great to be with you, David. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, I, where do we start? Uh, why don't uh, I we know st- where to start. All right, well, you know what? Darn it, start us off, Eric. Go ahead. Mitch
1: McConnell is a skunk. Huh? I want to tell you, um, there's something heartbreaking sometimes about seeing the truth. Um, for years, many of us suspected that many uh, in the Republican Party were not really patriots, didn't have a lot of courage, but when you see it, uh, it's unpleasant. Um, it is Mitch McConnell's job to stand up for the Constitution, and and any whiff of election fraud ought to have him and everyone else who is able physically to stand on a chair and scream to do that. You would expect that uh, the leadership in the Republican Party would do that. Uh, I would actually be naive enough to to expect... That every Democrat would do that. This is not about Donald Trump. This is about America, which was here long before Donald Trump was born and will be here long after he passes. This is about we, the people. And the idea that someone like McConnell, with all the evidence that we have seen, and even if you don't, you know, if you want to say, well, it's not evidence in court or the Supreme Court has done this or that, th- that is irrelevant. Most Americans have seen enough to be convinced. That something is fishy, that something fishy is going on, that something wrong and evil, and not just un American, but anti American, as anti American as the Communist Party of China. Something fundamentally anti American has happened in our sacred election. Every American should be up in arms over this. The idea that many aren't, and the idea that folks like Mitch McConnell aren't, is horrifying. It is absolutely yeah. horrifying, and I just am amazed. I, I mean, I'm amazed and not amazed. Away for
3: a boat moment. There it is. Eric Erickson said, Today Joe Biden will be elected president of the United States. God's will be done. What, what's your take on on what Christians sh- how Christians should process
1: all of this? Well, look, I don't know Eric Erickson. I'll just put it this way. This is actually very simple. The Lord has allowed tremendous evil to be perpetrated on this planet over the millennia. So the idea that we always get our way or that God's will be done, uh, it's its obviously complicated. Uh, Hitler would not have risen to power, and the Soviet Union would have not lasted for seven decades if we were living in heaven or in a utopia. Clearly, God allows evil, but we have to know what our job is in the midst of it. Our job is to pray, and our job is to stand up for what is right, no matter what it will cost us. And right now, there is enough evidence of voter fraud around the country that anyone who says, well, there's, where's the evidence? I say to them, either you're not looking or paying attention or you don't care. But most people uh, who are familiar with the situation say, yeah. this looks extremely troubling. We're not just saying this because we don't like the way the election went. You cannot, in the United States of America, uh, allow something like this proceed. So when we talk about God's will, we know God's will is that justice be done. It doesn't mean that it's always be done, but that it will always be done. But it it is our job uh, as Americans and certainly as Christians to pray that God's will be done. We have had the inestimable blessing of a free country for 245 years. We have had the ability to understand that when we vote, it's sacred. We've worked through the processes where uh, people are not disenfranchised from voting. We've gotten to this amazing moment. So to have people with tremendous cynicism um, m- mess around with that, whether it's uh, you know in some of these Democrat-led cities which have been corrupt for decades, right. we right. know this, or if it's something more global with Dominion uh, w- with regard to um, you know the possibility of foreign yeah. uh, interference. All right, that was David Brody
0: talking with Eric Metaxas on The Water Cooler. Now, as you know, on this show, we honor our veterans, our law enforcement officers, all of our military service members, and we also want to call particular attention to those heroes who have given their life in service. Uh, Today, we want to recognize Sean Peake. Sean is a 15-year veteran of the Bridgeton, New Jersey, Police Department. He gave his life on September 6, 2020, Hours after he jumped into a river while trying to save another's life. Uh, Peak is a hero who had given his entire life, was dedicated to service. And he left behind his wife, Megan, his eight-year-old daughter, Catherine. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is paying off the mortgage of the Peak family home in Bridgeton, New Jersey, during its 2020 season of hope. If you'd like to learn more about Tunnels to Towers, have a look.
4: Home. Home. Something to be proud of. Home. Safe. Comfort. Worthy of protection. Family.
5: Home. I was deployed to Afghanistan. I was on patrol. March 26, 2010. During a dismounted patrol. I happened to step in the wrong spot. And took a sniper
4: round into the chest. This is the date I was hit. I lost my legs almost immediately. I lost my left hand and both my legs above the knee. My arm was gone,
5: so I closed my eyes, thinking to myself, if I just keep breathing, I will make it home to my wife. I just wanted to serve my country. Every day I'm still adapting to
4: this new life. It was hard having everybody change their lifestyle to take care of me. A typical home doesn't feel like home to me. They have to carry my chair up the stairs. The hardest thing in my life is to have
0: to call and yell for my children to help pick me off the bathroom floor.
1: Where do you go when home isn't home anymore? This is Mark Wahlberg. There are
5: over 1,000 families that need our help. Tunnel to Towers is honoring those heroes that risked their lives by providing them with mortgage-free homes.
0: Yes, I'm on the waiting list to have a home built. It's gonna be amazing. The smart home technology, it makes my life a whole lot easier. And it's 100% accessible. It's built to fit my needs. For me to gain independence again would be just amazing. be able to just take care of myself as an individual. This home
4: will allow me to be self-sufficient
5: It'll help me live my life. It gives me back some of my dignity, who I used to be. There is a waiting list for houses. This is the waiting list. There are a lot of people on that list, yeah.
3: There are a lot of guys like me out there. Maybe too many. It
0: gives you back your dignity, your pride, your self-perseverance. Thanks to Talentless Hours, I'm going to have all these freedoms given back to me: Home. personal, safety, dignity, family, independence, confidence. It's the American dream, isn't it? Home like to ask you to contribute $11 a month to support their
2: efforts. Please visit ThomasTheTower.org.
0: Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen, and we are proud to bring you strong voices rooted in history and the Constitution that too often are ignored by the mainstream media. And we're joined now by my good friend, Dr. Ralph Reed. He's the chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition and the author of the book, For God and Country. He joins us from Georgia. Ralph, it's great to see you. Thank you so much, Eric. good to be with you again. Absolutely. Ralph, you've got a new op-ed out in the Christian Post titled, Did Evangelicals Swing to Biden? Not hardly. Uh, give our viewers an update on what happened with the
5: evangelical vote. Sure, Eric, four years ago, Donald Trump one percent of the evangelical vote. It was the highest figure ever won by a presidential candidate of either party, and uh, obviously uh, there was a lot of interest in in how they would do in in 2020 because they were such a critical part mm. of his victory in 2016. Some who are claiming, based on the network exit poll, that 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 Trump didn't do as well and Biden did a lot better, but that's not backed up by our survey. We commissioned a post-election survey by Public Opinion Strategies, one of the most respected polling firms in America. They show the president winning 81% of the self-identified evangelical vote Mm. again, and they show Biden only winning 14%, which is less than Hillary won. Now that's our poll. You don't have to believe our poll, but then there was another survey Uh, a massive national uh, exit poll conducted by the Associated Press, not exactly a conservative media outlet. And they found that Trump won 81% of the evangelical vote. And why is that important? It's because that group cast 28% of all the votes cast on election day. Mm -hmm. That's bigger than the African American vote, the union vote and the Hispanic vote combined. And it was even larger in some of the critical states, 34% of the vote in North Carolina, 32% of the vote uh, in Ohio, uh, about the same in Texas. And uh, if you combine it with Trump splitting the Catholic vote and winning the frequently mass attending Catholic vote, roughly two to one, it was voters of faith that kept the president as close as he was in every one of those battleground states. And it was good as a faith that enabled the Republicans to hold the Senate, at least so far, we have two critical runoffs on January 5th, uh, in an election where the Democrats thought they had a very good chance of picking up, perhaps, if you can believe it, As many as 10 Senate seats, and and to date, they've only picked up one. And, of course, Republicans have won so far. I think it's 12 or 13 House seats, and it may go higher. So votes of faith were loyal to Trump. They were loyal to the pro-life cause, and they are the reason why the Republicans did as well as they did on Election day.
0: Absolutely. And I want to come to the Georgia runoff elections in, in just a moment. moment. Uh, you've been on the front lines of this, Ralph, for, for decades now. Give our viewers your sense for why it is that evangelical voters not only supported Trump, but why they really left the Democratic Party.
5: Well, there are many reasons, but I think the most important reason, the central reason, is the issue of life. Mm. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is the most pro-life president in American history. There's no question about it. He, no other president had ever been willing to do. And that was, he defunded Planned Parenthood under the Title X family planning program. This is a program uh, that uh, basically counsels young women in planning their families and for decades, The uh, the number one recipient of that program was Planned Parenthood, which was using the program to encourage, promote and perform abortions. He was also the first president to ever speak at the March for Life. And and then another big issue related, but not just the single issue of abortion is the federal courts. Mm -hmm. And here again, Donald Trump and the Republican Party have been the champions. I mean, President Trump appointed. Supreme Court justices, uh, 56 or seven appellate court judges, and over 200 total federal judges. And he wanted them to be young, he wanted them to be conservative, and he wanted them to be pro-life. And if you look at the other side, the Democratic Party that I grew up, Mm. seeing in Georgia, in my home state, and that you grew up in your Mm -hmm. home state of Missouri is unrecognizable today. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are abortion on demand, paid for with tax dollars, as an entitlement program and a socialistic health care plan up through the moment of birth, partial birth abortion, pain-capable abortion, late-term abortion, taxpayer-funded abortion, and when you combine that with what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, their hostility, religious freedom. You know, conservative people of faith are finding a very hard time finding a home in the Democratic Party anymore, Eric. Yeah, and you know,
0: one of the things I wanna, I wanna pick up on there is that President Trump has been willing to do a lot of things that Republicans in the past had promised to do, but actually hadn't done. You know, you and I had talked before about the president's support for the state of Israel. And just like his support for the pro-life movement, he was willing to do things like move the American embassy to Jerusalem even. In, in contravention to and some opposition from some people in the Republican foreign policy establishment. He's really been willing to do those, those bold things. Now, Ralph, you've been on, on the front lines also of Georgia politics for a long time. The whole country right now is focused on Georgia. Give us a sense for what you and your organization are doing in these Georgia runoff elections and why they're so important.
5: Well, I'm a former college Republican state chairman here. I'm a former state Republican Party chairman here. Uh, I've uh, I've helped run statewide campaigns. Uh, in Georgia going back, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but going back to the late 70s. So I know this very well. Uh, my organization, Faith and Freedom has identified one point four five million evangelical, and pro-life Christians in the state. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's about a third of the vote, a little over a third of the vote. Five million votes cast on November 3rd. That's a record. Uh, And uh, we're contacting those Christian voters to get them back out on January 5th. Uh, We're knocking on 500,000 doors minimum. We hope to get north of that. We're making over a million get out the vote calls. We're dropping a million and a half pieces of education literature to their households. We're sending out two to two and a half million uh, text messages. And by the way, those million phone calls, those are not robocalls. These are volunteers who are actually calling voters and talking to them either on their cell phone or their home or work phone. And then in addition to that, we've got a whole digital and social media campaign and we're mobilizing 5,500 churches distribute over a million educational voter guides and make sure every member of their church votes early or on January 5th. And if we do our job, even (coughs) as Donald Trump, apparently, I say apparently, because there's still litigation going on Even if you believe the current vote total in Georgia, where the president came up about 11,700 votes short in five million votes, on the same day, David Perdue led John Ossoff by 88,000 votes. And so if we do our job and we get those voters back out, uh, we'll see both of these outstanding U.S. senators uh, return to the Senate on January 5th.
0: And Ralph, I just want to you know, affirm, you know, from my own experience, that having people who are making those personal phone calls as opposed to a robocall makes a tremendous difference. Uh, you guys have been out there with this ground game, actually having people in touch with their friends, their neighbors, with family members, with relatives, to actually uh, connect to them. Talk, if you would, about what's at stake, though, for people of faith around the country and how they can help to make sure that you know that, that faith and, and freedom are protected in these
5: runoff votes in Georgia? Well, you know, it's a great question, Eric. And one of the great things about the technology of the internet era is we, uh, we've we put together an app uh, that, that people can either download on their mobile phone or we can email it to them. So they can go to our website, which is ffcoalition.com that's FF as in faith and freedom coalition.com. And there's a volunteer intake form. And people can either come to Georgia and knock on doors. And believe it or not, we have hundreds of them who have come from around the country to come to Georgia. They're knocking on doors even as I speak. We have 856 volunteers making calls or knocking on doors. If they can't come to Georgia, that's okay. They can still call these voters. Again, going to the same website, ffcoalition.com, there's a volunteer take form. They can either, A, I want to come to Georgia and knock on doors over the Christmas holidays. If they want to do that, we can provide lodging and transportation. If they want to make phone calls, they can do it for anyone in the country. And uh, they just check that. We email them the software. We provide them with a data set. And look, even if you're only making 10 or 20 calls to Georgia Christian voters, I think the key to victory is to have a lot of people do a little. We don't wanna have a little people having to do a lot. We want a big army. We're on our way to a thousand volunteers. It's historic, it's groundbreaking. We're gonna crush this thing. We're gonna see the biggest turnout of conservative and Christian voters Georgia in its history, and we're going to teach a lesson to the radical left that Georgia is not New York, California, or Illinois. That's right. Well,
0: folks, that's Dr. Ralph Reed. It's ffcoalition.com, where you can find him there. That's the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And we will be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Dr. Gina coming up right now.